0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to my podcast, The Sonder Society. Sonder is the realization that each random passerby is living a life as vivid and complex as your own, populated with their own ambitions, friends, routines, worries, and inherited craziness. In this podcast, we focus on the people behind Instagram, its advantages and disadvantages, and how the future has been shaped around it. I have designed and implemented a platform to share insights with you from a variety of guests of different backgrounds to let you into their life work, relationships, and experiences. Let's get into it. Natalie, thank you so much for joining me. I'm extremely excited to have the opportunity to chat with you and share your story. How's it going?
1: Not too bad. I'm excited to talk. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready.
0: For those who don't know, Natalie is a professional ski ski jumper for Team Canada, competed in 14 World Cups, competed at two World Junior Championships and two World Ski Championships, including competing abroad in Slovenia and much more. In this conversation, we'll learn a little bit about her childhood and family, the world of a pro athlete, including the challenges of being a professional athlete, and of course, mental health. So we're going to dive straight in into your childhood and family. Start me at the beginning from zero.
1: Okay, so right from the bean. <laughs> yeah, okay. right from the bean. Okay, from zero. So like what, when I was born or from the time that I started jumping? <laughs>
0: like what's, the <laughs> what? you, what's the time? Are you going to ask me questions now?
1: <laughs> well, you said from zero and I don't have any parameters for that. So I'm going to need you to give so me a little re- bit more. So when do you
0: remember from?
1: Remember? Yeah. Like my life.
0: Yeah.
1: That is a hard question. <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. Um, I guess I don't I don't know like going on trips as a kid maybe I remember we did a lot when I was younger actually no that's a lie I remember when my dad used to come home from work really late at the house that I grew up in that's like probably my earliest memory okay Where where did you grow up in Calgary
0: oh you're from Calgary yeah in Calgary yeah what's your kind of family dynamic like what was growing up like
1: Growing up like as Natalie Eilers. Um, It was good, very happy, mostly. Obviously there's always problems in most families, but I have three siblings and we've all been very close basically my entire life. So yeah, I like spent a lot of time with my siblings. I spent a lot of time with my mom when I was growing up because my dad was working a lot, but yeah, it was like really happy. Um, My parents retired really young, so I got, my dad around a lot more, like relatively earlier. And yeah, we would go on trips and we'd do lots of fun family things. I think family time was really important and it still is in my life. So yeah, it was, it was a good good childhood.
0: Awesome. So you, you mentioned your siblings, is it sisters, brothers?
1: Yeah, I have two older sisters. Uh, Daphne is my oldest sister, she's 28 right now. Uh, Juliet is 26, then me, I'm 24. And then my brother is 22.
0: Okay, so you're not the baby.
1: Well, some would argue I am. <laughs> That's what I was about <laughs> to say. You beat me to it.
0: You beat me to it. I, I guess I want to learn a little bit about your childhood, and obviously we're going to go into like joining Team Canada, etc. But was there any part of your childhood that made you mold, I guess, into an athlete, or was it just were you into sports at a young age? What did that look like?
1: I honestly, I think it's all got to do with my parents. Well, no, okay. I was probably athletic naturally when I was little because in general I picked most things up. But my parents put me into all sports from the time I was really young. So I I started skiing actually when I was three. I'm pretty sure I had little plastic skis that I would ski on and like a dog harness and then like a leash because I would just kind of go straight down the hill and not stop. So they needed to keep me from dying i guess <laughs> I've always, you really were
0: the baby right well
1: no i've always just been kind of a wild person i guess all of my like extended relatives know that they always used to call me like not crazy but like in a good way <laughs> yeah yeah but i i did i played soccer i obviously i skied i played did i play tennis as a kid i don't even remember if that was one of them i played um basketball baseball what else? I figure skated. That was a big one. That was my first like competitive sport. I can't remember what age I was when I started that, but basically my parents put me into everything that was available and just waited to see what would stick. So that's kind of how I... And
0: at, and at the time you said that was figure skating. Was that kind of the first sport that's that stuck for you?
1: Yeah. Um, so all of my siblings were put into can skate because we're Canadian and you have to know how to skate. So they put us into can skate and my siblings you know moved up through that program and at a certain point um one of the coaches told my parents they wanted to take me out and put me into figure skating so I guess they thought that I might be good at it um which I guess I turned out to be okay at it I didn't stick with it obviously because I ended up ski jumping but yeah
0: do you wish you did stick with it
1: well I had the choice so I did I chose jumping so no, I wouldn't say I wish I stuck with it necessarily. I do miss it a lot, but I can still skate all the time. The, the difference being I can't ski jump recreationally, but I can skate recreationally and I can still do my spins and jumps and stuff.
0: Do you think figure skating helped you in the sport that you're in now?
1: I know at one point it was the other way around. Really? Yeah, so when I started ski jumping, I did them both for a year and that ended up being too much which is why i had to pick one but when i would do my jumps i was jumping way higher figure skating than before like after i had started ski jumping obviously because jumping is a very big part of that sport so yeah i think it helped i don't know about the other way around though i don't know what figure skating would do for ski jumping
0: i don't even before i asked that question but i think just in general obviously <coughs> sports whether you do it competitively or not you you as you grow up, you just, you tend to like pick things up from sports that make you better at sports. And it doesn't have to necessarily be the same sport or similar, but it can, for example, team sports, the easiest one, right? Once you get into team sports, a lot of people love staying, staying in team sports. Figure skating isn't a team sport. It's a singular sport, just like the sport you're in right now. Well, I
1: I mean, there's pairs and there is team events too, but um, I did pairs for a little bit, but that wasn't for me. Um, And I did a bunch of, team sports too when I was younger and I I liked all of them like it there was no specific type of sport team or individual or anything like that that was that didn't stand out to me that that wasn't exactly like why I picked them but I guess I guess maybe you're right maybe doing an individual sport and like having to compete on my own as a figure skater at a young age probably did help me later on but my team in ski jumping is actually very close so i feel like in ski jumping even though it's an individual sport there's a lot more team dynamic than i remember in figure skating for example
0: okay cool i want to also learn i guess about your childhood was there a bad phase of your childhood like it seems it it was all happy and merry (laughs) and 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 that side of it but was there a difficult side of it as you were growing up
1: I mean, yeah, there's, everyone has problems in their childhood. I, my parents divorced when I was a little bit older. Um, So obviously that was like hard on all of us, but in general, I think that I kind of was the shoulder to lean on more so for my, not all of my siblings, but my brother's younger and I'm very close with him. So maybe more like staying strong for him for that. I don't remember a lot of bad things necessarily. I do have actually a really funny story about when I was a kid. So my birthday is on Halloween and my sisters used to do haunted houses for my birthday. It's going to be relevant. I promise. Just give it <laughs> two seconds. Um, my sister taped a knitting needle to her chest to be like, I don't know, stabbed in the chest <laughs> as her costume. And she fell off of the rocking chair she was on and punctured her lung. so as a child i had like all of my friends over and there was like ambulances and my sister had punctured her lung and she had to go to the hospital so that was like not a great part of my childhood but now it's funny you know that like thing at the children's hospital where you can see all of the things they've taken out of people they put in there that there was a a knitting needle (laughs) in my sister's chest (laughs) (laughs) this
0: makes so much sense (laughs) i want to talk again about your siblings obviously you're in a professional sport. Are they gone down a similar route at all? Is this a family thing? I know you said your parents obviously pushed you into sport and, and, and you you enjoyed it, but is that the same throughout the family? Is that just you, are you all very different?
1: We're quite different. I mean, my, my brother, he was also in sport always. So him and I had that in common. He did skiing for a really long time. I can't remember specifically what he did, but it was competitive. And then he ended up doing football competitively as well. Um, he has had three knee surgeries now, so he's no longer doing sports competitively at all. He's currently recovering, but Juliet was a dancer, so I get like a different kind of athleticism. Um, and then Daphne, she tried bobsled once.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> a good sport. It's great to watch.
1: Well, if you knew her, you'd be surprised. She's oh. not, I mean, bobsled athletes are generally really, really big, like strong people. Daphne is like a very slim girl, so <laughs> that didn't really make sense. But yeah, no, not we're all quite different. I think few similarities, <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> few similarities enough. here and there, but like I think they got a good spread.
0: Fair enough. I think I've I've asked you this before behind the scenes, and it's about your confidence. Oh. Or I've <laughs> taught you yeah. I've taught you about it. But I want to know where you get your confidence from, and. I don't know if it's rooted from past experiences, but I believe you've got it from somewhere and I want to know where you think it's from. <laughs> there has to be a there source. There has to be. <laughs>
1: um, well, I, honestly, I think all of my siblings are like that. Um, I don't know if it... It probably comes from how we were raised and also like... I don't know. Can Nature versus nurture. I don't know. Does it come from my parents or is it how they raised us? I have no idea, but... I know that we're all quite like confident in who we are and not worried about making mistakes or like, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Or like what people think. You yeah. Just, like instantly have that kind of, that's, the, I mean, that's awesome. Right. I, I think everyone wants to be confident, <laughs> but it's not easy to do. And I think we get, well, in the sport that you're in, which we're going to go into now is you've got to be confident. I mean, I look at that and it's, are you an adrenaline junkie? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Well, we'll definitely get into that. Um, I did
1: mention that I was crazy as a child, so yeah. no, <laughs> that's I know, where it comes from. I
0: didn't know if that was stupid or just crazy, you know?
1: That's incredibly <laughs> rude. <laughs>
0: but let's walk through, I guess, the journey, Team Canada, um, pro ski jumper, obviously. But explain to me kind of the journey. How did What did it even take to get into Team Canada, into that sport? Walk me through that journey.
1: Well, so... When I was really young, I always wanted to go to the Olympics, like, for anything. I just, I had this dream. I don't know where it came from, but I, I I really wanted to compete in the Olympics. I wanted to be on Team Canada. Um, And I guess it was when I was figure skating. I remember Joannie Rochette was, like, my childhood idol, and I watched her in Vancouver right after her mom died, and she skated, like, incredibly, especially considering the circumstances, and she got bronze. And that was very, very inspiring. And yeah, so like from a young age, I saw all of this. I knew that I wanted to end up there. And the way that I ended up in ski jumping was basically an accident. I mean, my mom got an email from my school at the time, and they were looking for more girls because they had just accepted it as an event for women in the Olympics before 2010 and before It was not allowed. They didn't allow women at all. So there was not a very big um, pool of female jumpers. So as soon as they accepted it as an event, they wanted to get more girls involved, obviously, because they want to push the sport forwards. So I was one of those girls. And I I joined this program where it was basically like a talent ID program. And I'm the only one left from it, actually. But... Yeah, so that's how I got into it. it. Was an email by accident, and then, like I said, I did both figure skating and ski jumping for a year, and then, yeah, I, I picked one. Ski jumping is pretty cool, I would say, but very exciting. Was that?
0: Was that? It is a really cool sport, and it's very interesting. But for me, I'm I'm looking at the perspective. Well, obviously, from England, it's not a massive sport over no, there. No, it's not. But was it just in your mind that you wanted to do that sport or was like you're saying did you fall into it because of an email
1: no i fell i fully fell into it because of an email i actually didn't know what i was trying like the email said ski jumping and and i this is embarrassing because i don't like when other people make this mistake now but i thought it was aerials everyone always thinks it's aerials they always say how many flips can you do or like how many spins can you do and i thought that i didn't know what it was so i didn't even know what i was trying but The first time I like went off of a jump was actually before we even started jumping. So it was just in my regular ski gear and I went off like the 30 meter hill. So like we start normally on the 18 meter and I just asked if I could go off of the 30. They said, yeah. (laughs) So I just (laughs) went, I buckled so hard, but I was like, this is pretty cool. So then I I decided to keep doing it and I have not stopped yet. (laughs) Still doing
0: it. How do you find it? Obviously it's a sport that I know you've got your team and and, and that kind of thing, but it is an individual sport. how do you find that pressure of, I guess the competitiveness that you've only got yourself to blame, I guess.
1: Well, it's so it's actually really interesting. I know looking at it from the outside, it's an individual sport. You'd think like it's every man for himself, but the entire circuit is actually very close. Like, When I qualified for, like, the first time in a long time, girls from other nations that I know really well came up and said congratulations. Other coaches came up and said congratulations because everyone likes to see everyone kind of move forwards, and especially the smaller nations. So not only is our team really close and we'd love to see each other doing really well, but we also really love seeing other girls that we know well, not even that we know well, just the whole circuit because it means the sport's moving forward and it's becoming more competitive and it means we'll get more events it means we'll get to ski fly which actually for the first time ever is happening this winter um but yeah it's it's not it's an individual sport technically but i would say it's very much like they call it ski jumping family so it's like a big old family
0: how many are actually on your team i guess for team canada that, that you go with when you when you travel how how many is on that team
1: so uh, it's me, and then I have three teammates that I travel with and live with. Well, I live with two of them when I'm overseas as well.
0: So is that for the whole of Team Canada, there's only four, four for girls? Th- for in? the women. Okay. Yeah, on
1: the national team.
0: Okay. And is the guys, that's the exact same?
1: We have one guy right now. So uh, we had two guys competing on the on the World Cup circuit, but one of them is taking some time off right now. So we technically only have one guy right now competing.
0: Okay, cool. I want to talk about achievements, competitions that you've been involved in. I know there's quite a few, um, and it's probably easier for you to kind of go through them. But I know we've got career uh, best Grand Prix. We've got the World Cup, Continental Cup, FIS Cup results as well. So obviously there's a lot to go through there, but I'll kind of let you take it away and and walk (laughs) walk me through those different competitions you've been in and the experiences you've had there.
1: Well, that that list is very like it seems long, but compared to how many times I've competed and tried, it is very small in comparison. There's been a lot of losses, to be honest, like it's been a very hard, very hard road. But um, I think in the last like maybe year and a half since we got we got new, two new coaches, they're incredible. Um, love them very much. And they're helping a lot. Like our team is developing quite fast, actually. Um, my career best Grand Prix was this summer, 16th, and I I don't know if I've even really broken top 20 before in the was Grand Prix. Was pers-
0: that your personal record you got? For Grand Prix, yeah. Okay. So
1: that's basically like a summer World Cup. Okay. Yeah, um, and then the, as like the years go on, the competition gets harder too. So my, you know, I got 28th in, I think it's, tw- I don't even remember now, but whatever it was in Pyeongchang in like 2017, um, that was like an easy, like I basically didn't have to do much to get that versus now it's really, really tight and everyone is so much better. So comparing uh, results now to back then is not necessarily valid, but so I'm like way more proud of my 29th last, last February, I think in Oslo compared to like what I did a couple of years ago. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, was Oslo kind of your favorite? Again, it's different places you've been to. You've traveled a lot, obviously, with doing this, but which was your favorite memory or achievement that, that you've experienced? I
1: think it was that one. Um, because that has been, that hill has been my dream hill to jump for like as long as I can remember. This is Oslo? Oslo, yeah. It's called Hallman And basically, that's like if you don't jump that hill, you're not like really a ski jumper. I think I've heard that before, okay. but it's also my dad's favorite hill. And my dad is a huge, huge, huge support of me in sport. And he's always been really, really supportive. And um, I'm very close with my dad. So he originally wanted to come and watch, actually, because he wanted to see me jump that hill for the first time. It's really cool. If you look it up, it's like structured very nicely. But that was really, really cool because of that, because of my dad, because I've always wanted to jump that hill and because I had a very hard winter leading up to it, but also because... Normally our bibs have numbers on them, but that time mine had Eilers, because we all had last names. So I have my own name on me when I got that result. So that was
0: pretty cool. Nice, yeah. Nice. I'll, I'll definitely check it out after this. Where did you get your personal record? So obviously I know you've got a personal record. Was it on that hill? Which which hill was it specifically?
1: Uh, no, that was in um, in Slovenia in Planica on the big hill. Um, it's not necessarily that far. Like you can go way farther on that hill, but. I when I was going to go further than that was when I blew my knee out. Because <laughs> oh. I didn't land, so it doesn't count. But yeah, it that was in Slovenian Planitza, like where we live most of the year. So it's kind of like our home hill.
0: I think as well, like when I think about it, obviously, again, I'm not in that sport, but You, you should could, you should try it. Well, my <laughs> next question is when you're up, obviously, you go off the ramp, you're in the air, what you're an adrenaline junkie, but what fear is in your head when you're doing things like that? Right? Because you're, you're going high in the air. You're probably at pretty fast speeds. What's kind of the thought process that you have in in your mind when you did that, especially when you were young, obviously you've got the confidence now that you, you pretty much know exactly what you're doing. Mm. Let's, (laughs) let's say I'm picking you up here. Um, (laughs) But there must be some thoughts that go in your mind when you're, you're going up for every jump. You know you're you being competitive as well. You've got all these things going around your mind and you also want to make your best jump. What's that thought process like?
1: Well, so the, the thing is, is you can't think about wanting to do your best or have your best jump or whatever because that's never, <laughs> that's not how you end up doing your best. The sport is very, very like, how do I explain this? It's very... Small, small things make very big differences. And if you think too much and if you overthink it, you end up maybe trying too hard and it does not work at all. Um, What I think about mostly is just in general, I try to have like two main points that I'm trying to work on. And if I can fix those two points in one session, that's like, that's it. I don't, I try not to think about anything else because I get, way too overstimulated and and i can't i can't do it it just doesn't work
0: is there and i probably know the answer to this but is there a lot of things that you can tweak again i'm looking at this from a very simple thought process but (laughs) you're going you're going down that hill there's two skis your body stays the same and you've got to keep as aerodynamic as possible but Is there a lot of different things that you can tweak that I wouldn't even that I wouldn't even know about from the from the naked eye, I guess?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, if I showed you two videos beside each other of like one of my better takeoffs versus one of my worst ones, there's no chance that you would know what was wrong because it could be literally my butt was too low by like a centimeter or like I started a little bit too late or a little bit too early or I lifted my chest like just a little bit. Started with like, you know, the wrong muscles or used too many muscles. That one I've heard before. What? Yeah. So
0: basically no low butts and no too many muscles. That's the tip.
1: No, no low butts, no high butts, no <laughs> too many muscles, no no muscles. It's very,
0: very complicated. It sounds like me dancing in a nightclub.
1: <laughs> I've <laughs> um, seen that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's a mess. It's
0: a low butt. Um, <laughs> but we'll definitely move on from that one. Um, I want to know about balance i think that's difficult and well any sports person I've, I've spoken to for you specifically i know we didn't talk about it when we just went through childhood briefly there in university so i want to talk about university and then also the balance of how you manage to handle a competitive sport at a high level and also doing university must be stressful a lot to do take it away
1: yeah <laughs> it's very <laughs> very stressful um so, I, I started university in 2018. <laughs> what, what year is it now? 2022. I'm supposed to be graduated now, but I am not. Um, basically, I could do one semester here in school, like while it's in person, and then, which is what I'm doing right now, and then go back for the winter season. But the problem with that is there's this entire time between, you know, actually the entire summer, there's a whole summer season where we compete. Then it goes right into October. Then we have maybe like a month off, and then it goes right into ice tracks or into um, like into competitions already. I know this year we had a World Cup already in November, so there's like not a ton of time off if I'm competing and training fully. And so when I take a full semester off, it's really hard. I mean, I train here, obviously. I train at the gym at, at um, Windsport here, but my coaches are overseas. And my teammates are overseas. So I'm basically completely by myself here. Um, And I'm trying to also balance school and work because ski jumping isn't very lucrative in Canada. So I have a lot going on. But um, sorry, I don't even know where I was going (laughs) with
0: this. (laughs) Basically, well, that shows how busy you are. I think you mentioned (laughs) then with obviously training, that must be so difficult if your coaches aren't here. Like, how do you go about that? is that just you're figuring out how to train yourself to keep in, I guess, shape and and fitness for for that type of sport? Do you work with them virtually? How does that work?
1: Well, so I I obviously keep in contact with my coaches. Like uh, We'll message each other. They check in all the time. They give me my training plan. And then on top of that, I'll just do what I feel like I need. Um, The thing about being in a sport for 10 years is you kind of know what your body needs, what it needs less of, you know, what, what you can work on. And in general, like, I know all of the things that I need to be better at in sport. So I know that I can do that and I can work on it while I'm here. And even though jumping is really, really important, like getting on the hill, which I can't do here, um, you can get a lot out of just technical training on the ground and like, on, you don't know what this is, but roller rollerboard, <laughs> that thing is very, very telling. That's, my coach always says that that's the best coach that you can have is a roller board. So I can do a lot. Yeah. What is
0: it? What is a roller board? Can you explain that?
1: It is literally a board <laughs> a board <Yeah>. with wheels. <laughs> but do you know what roller skiing is? Yeah. Do,
0: do you? That <laughs> no. doesn't sound very confident. No, roller blades. No,
1: okay. No, roller skiing is like cross-country skiing in the summer. Mm. They're like long and they have wheels on either side. And then you can, normally you clip like, a cross-country boot into them and you can I don't know if you've ever seen them I don't I don't see them very often here but um those are taken the the bindings are taken off and they're put onto this board and then we jump off the board
0: <laughs> interesting yeah it
1: sounds ridiculous when I'm explaining it but <laughs> it it's very very sensitive so if you even shift like your balance on your foot slightly to the back that board's going way forwards or way back so.
0: Interesting. Yep. Maybe I'll give that a go. I
1: don't think you want to do that. <laughs> no. But I have one if you want to try.
0: No, I'll probably, mi- I'll probably miss that. You'll now. have to I'll sign def- a waiver first. Yeah, no, I I will for sure. Um back to kind of university and the balance of that. Do you ever feel like there's a decision that has to be made sometimes when you balance in that of I either do I either finish my school or I finish sport or I, you know. Stop doing that. Stop doing university. Like, do you ever get in that mindset of, I can't do both of these things?
1: Well, I've been doing a pretty good job of doing both for a while. <laughs> um, especially during COVID because school is online. So I did a full year overseas, basically. But I'm, I'm just figuring it out as I go. I mean, you have 10 years to finish your degree at U of C. So I still have another six years, technically. So I'm just... You know, I'm doing a full course load right now. I'm doing five courses. Well, not. I'm, I'm almost done. I have exams now. But I only have a year and a half left of school. So I'm just doing both back and forth. And yes, it's very busy, very stressful. But I honestly think I would get very bored if I wasn't doing a million things. So I think it's a good thing. You
0: need to be busy. You need to be busy. I
1: do. <laughs> there
0: you go. <laughs> um, In, I guess, any competitive sport, there's the highest highs, the lowest lows. I think we talked about it kind of good versus bad results. What does that look like in your world?
1: Oh, God. (laughs) It can be very, very hard, honestly. Um, My team knows this. They'll probably listen to this and they know exactly what I'm talking about. There are some times when we leave an event and it is like complete silence in the car, on the drive, because no one is happy. Everyone is super disappointed and like It's mostly because we all know that we can do very well, but that's what happens with sports sometimes. Sometimes it just doesn't work, and then you go back and you work on it, and then you come back and things are better. Um, There, Like I said, there's been a lot more lows than there has been highs, but at the end of the day, the sport itself is what we love to do, so it's still worth it. And at some point, you do end up getting better. And now we have these coaches that are so fantastic.
0: If there's, if you're in a sport which there's more lows and how do you stay motivated? Is that the people that are surrounding you? Is it just the pure love for the sport?
1: Well, I don't think it's all lows for everybody
0: <laughs> else, to <laughs> yeah, be honest. There you
1: go. I feel like that's probably, maybe mostly me, but yeah, it's my team. I'm very close with, like I said. So I love training with them and and training itself. Like when we're just jumping on the hill, trying to get, things fixed and when you get (laughs) when you get a jump that you know as soon as you take off that it's gonna go it's like the best feeling ever because you're literally flying and you're like it feels just so right like I can't even really describe to you how that feels but you just know instantly as soon as you get off the end of the takeoff that it's gonna be good And these coaches love to yell and cheer us on. So you'll hear that. And then once we get to the bottom, if we had a really, really fantastic jump, my coaches literally throw their arms in the air and yell our names, which is like super exciting. And it's just really fun. So yeah, I mean, obviously there's a lot of lows, but the sport itself is always worth it. Otherwise we wouldn't do it.
0: Good. If you're in a car, with <laughs> okay. all your teammates and someone has a really good jump and the rest don't, how's that atmosphere? Because I know you said when you've all kind of had a bad one, obviously no one's speaking, but how do you deal with that? Because obviously I know you you girls will want to cheer on the success of someone else, but if you've had a really bad day of jumping, that's also difficult to manage someone else's emotion versus yourself.
1: That's a great question. Um, to be honest, we know... So let's say I have a good result and someone else on my team doesn't have a good result and I know that they're disappointed. What happens is I am quietly happy and I don't, you know, put it in their face because I've been there. We've all been there. We know how it feels to like be disappointed and it's not that you're not extremely happy for your teammate for getting, I don't know, a career best or whatever it is, but we just... There's respect, like you just respect each other. So you can be very happy and excited, but you can not be a jerk about it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, because I look at again, I look at it from a team sport perspective, right? You like you have people in a team that are the success of everyone that's in that team relies on everyone. Now, if you've got individual results, and like I said, you're in this car. It's almost like I feel like you're suppressing the celebration sometimes because because not everyone may have been successful that day and that's what I think is different from a real team sport I hate to use the word real team sport but and then you've got your individual results so how how do you even manage that because I I look at that as being very difficult especially if you're all living together and you go back and it's you know all you want to do is celebrate a, a massive success that you've probably had in that day but it can be difficult again you've got to be sensitive especially when you're surrounding that now for a team sport if the team wins, you all go back to the house and everyone's won together. If you all lose together, vice versa, it's the exact same in, in that sense. So that must be a difficult balance sometimes.
1: Yeah, I suppose. I mean, it, we're used to it, obviously, because we spent so long in the sport, but also because we grew up together. So it's. I know that other teams have problems like that. Um, Other teams honestly have more problems than my team does. And I think, again, it's just because we grew up together. So, yes, it might be more difficult, but I don't know. I mean, it switches back and forth. And the best is when everyone's going to have a good result, and then we can all be excited about it. The thing is, is that I like team sports, but nothing feels better than doing it yourself and, like, getting that result yourself. Like, there's no one else that did it. You did it. And so I, I mean I don't know I I guess I see where I see where you're going with this but it's just different it's just like a different kind of celebration and yeah and yeah call, and call uh, my mom yeah exactly
0: exactly <laughs> behind the scenes you Facetime and everyone happy no I I get that and and you obviously get used to it right you you used to the dynamic of the team what's you know when you need to be sensitive and, and when you don't so. I'm sure over time you, you you learn that, especially of other people. I'd probably just be screaming my head off if I'd got the best jump and people would be annoyed with me, but that's the way it goes, right? Yeah, but
1: my coaches too are really, really good about it. They're, their mentality is that our team, like our successes are the team's successes and we do all of the things together. And if we're not working together, actually the, the analogy that he uses, is that the right analogy. <laughs> I
0: don't know, to be honest.
1: <laughs> okay, well, whatever. <laughs> He says that it's a house that we've built as a team together and we decide who comes in and who goes out. Huh. So our team is in this little house and if it's not working properly, then we figure it out. But like we can't do it and we can't succeed if we're not all working together. And so the, the I guess the mentality on the team is like that. So if there's any issues ever, then we sort them out
0: in the little house of yours. <laughs> in our little house <laughs> <There you go. laughs>
1: i wonder if he'll listen to this and hear that.
0: yeah they're gonna be like what little house
1: no don't listen to this Yanko. i don't want to hear this
0: <laughs> there you go um i want to talk about i guess well sponsorships or funding we should say so i know the can fund 150 women recipient that may mean nothing to to some people listening can you explain i guess even what that is how you even afford to do sport everyone knows sports expensive and how you continue that, obviously, over a long period of time of about, what, 10 years you've been doing it for?
1: Um, yeah, well, it's no secret that it's very underfunded in Canada. Um, to be honest, there's no chance I would be where I am if my parents didn't support me for a really long time, um, and that's, that's just the truth. Like, my teammates, we've all been in the same boat. We've all had to pay for almost everything ourselves. You know, we have carding, let's say, so I have carding, and that pays for a portion of it, But it does not pay for, you know, multiple flights during the year to wherever we're competing or um, season fees, like coaching fees, living abroad because we have an apartment because we spend most of the year there or like equipment, you know, all of that. Like we have some sponsors, like we have a ski sponsor. Shout out to Slattner. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, you know, like everything else is paid for. And like our boots. (laughs) I ordered new boots and they're about 800 dollars canadian i think and we need them like i mean when we can afford them i guess yeah. you know um and then jets too which you don't know what those are but they're basically like foam things huh? you stick what well,
0: you're in. talking about private jets i was like <laughs> whoo so
1: no we don't have that kind of money <laughs> no they they're they're basically like little foam things that you stick in the back of your boot so that
0: you don't snap your leg.
1: No, it's um, it makes everything a lot more stable. I don't oh. know how. I mean, I could just show you. <laughs> you're not gonna. I'll, I'll see one day. <laughs> I I can try and explain it, but anyone that doesn't know ski jumping, which is most people that are gonna listen to this, they're not gonna know what I'm talking. Hey, about. Hey, that's
0: what Google's for. I'm sure they can. Uh, think... I
1: don't even think googling jets is gonna give you. A hey, watch. just me. Just DM no, me, fine. and I'll send you a photo of it. There you go.
0: There you go. With regards to, again, sponsorships and all the things you get, obviously it's very expensive. Without saying a figure on it, is it extremely expensive? Like when you look at other sports, I know hockey is, yes, obviously they earn a lot of money, When they, but even that, the equipment and all, all these sports cost money. Is it a very expensive sport to continue after time when you're saying it's being completely underfunded?
1: Well... I think a big portion of it is the fact that we are in Canada and there are no hills that we can jump here and we have to move to Europe. So that's like a huge part of the expense. I know it's probably a lot less expensive to do as a sport just in Europe because there's a lot of like secondhand um, equipment that you can use. Like I've given skis away, I've given suits away, like Suits, too. Suits are super expensive. I've given lots of stuff away. So if you can collect kind of like secondhand stuff, it wouldn't be terribly expensive. But in comparison to hockey, I don't think it's on the same level. But I actually don't know how much it costs to play hockey. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. No, fair enough. Fair enough. But it's expensive.
1: It is. Well, yeah, I mean without saying numbers <laughs> i mean you can, <laughs> can, hey
0: you can throw out numbers if no you i want. i
1: actually I, I could not tell you off the top of my head how much i've spent not me my parents how much my parents have spent Shout out. yeah thanks mom and dad they're the main sponsor Almost the only one. They always
0: parents, the main sponsor. I love that. Yeah. Um, Got a couple of questions that actually got sent in um, from some listeners. Ooh, okay. Uh, yeah, so be ready. They actually... Obviously, you're heading back to Slovenia in a couple of weeks. Yeah. And one of your listeners actually wanted to know if all of your girls are living together again. Is that...
1: Um. Well, so Nicole, Abby, and I, we all live together. Okay. Allie has her own apartment. Okay. I, I think it's... I don't even, I'm not actually, I was going to say where it is, but I probably shouldn't do that. (laughs) It's somewhere else. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so not all four of us, but the three of us do live together and then Allie has her own apartment.
0: Okay, Uh cool. And do you like that dynamic that, you know, live together? You, you, you're probably doing everything together, right? Do you like that? Is it a case of you want your spare time? Well, you get quite lonely, don't you? So uh,
1: you have, if you have roommates, right? you don't necessarily spend all day every day with each other. Like when we used to travel, we would hang out the whole time when we were traveling because we'd be living apart in Canada and then we'd travel to compete or train or whatever. But now that we're living there, we take our own time. But honestly, I'm a very social person. So I actually do really enjoy spending time with my teammates like at all times Um, and they don't necessarily like a lot of (laughs) times. How did I know you were going to say that? (laughs) Well, a lot of times I'll go and I'll just like knock on Nicole's door because she's like right around the corner from me. And she always throws her headphones off and shuts her laptop really quick.
0: (laughs) What was she doing?
1: (laughs) (laughs) No, she, I don't know. I don't know. She's, she'll laugh. If she listens to this, she'll laugh because she knows exactly what I'm talking about. But I'll come in and I'll just sit on her bed and she'll be like, what's up? <laughs> and I'll just be like, I just wanted to come hang out. <laughs> and she's like, okay.
0: There you go. The world of a ski jumper living together. Uh, that, that's an interesting household though. Yeah, I'd love it's to fun. be a fly on the wall for maybe you, just a day. I or could maybe just I put a
1: little secret camera in the living room <laughs> and then you can witness. It's actually
0: very quiet. I the girls would want that. But there you <laughs> in go. In the
1: living room. Okay. <laughs> what do you think we get up to?
0: <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um Another question. So being in team Canada, uh, brings you some type of fame. I want to know what is the negatives of that. So again, it's hard sometimes when people put in, in, in questions, but I guess the context, like any athlete that I've spoken to, they get some form of attention from different side of things, um, different subjects of what the attention's <laughs> for as well. But what's the negatives? Well, what's the negatives and positives that actually come from that?
1: Um, I, <laughs> to say that I have some kind of fame, I feel like is a stretch. Um, obviously there are ski jumping fans in Europe and they pay attention and they like know who I am and they message me or whatever. I don't see myself as being quote a famous athlete. Cause I just, I mean, that's just wrong, but I guess the positives are there is a huge fan base in Europe and they are really awesome. So they always will send messages or I've got drawings sent to me sometimes or um, they'll come to events and they'll take photos with us and like ask for autographs and whatnot. Um, and it's really cool because, you know, I don't know. I mean, having people come up and know who you are and like want your autograph because you're an athlete. I mean, as an athlete, a professional, quote, a professional athlete, um, that's kind of like, you know, it means that you're doing something right, I guess, but negatives um there's some weird comments sometimes or like messages that we'll get we'll all get and i like mean what? Uh, <laughs> um i don't know there's there's been some like
0: foot fetishes yeah
1: i knew you were going to bring this <laughs> up <laughs> yes there there have been there have been people messaging me for that but there's also like just message after message after message of being like, you're so beautiful. Like, like just, but like, it sounds like it's not a big deal, but it's a whole lot. Mm-hmm. And it's like the same people. And it just makes me a <laughs> little uncomfortable to be honest. Like, like How do
0: you, ma- how do you manage that? Though? Cause obviously you're not, you're not going to block all of these people. You just kind of, obviously you, I guess you ignore it, but does that affect you in any way that you just like, Hey, this is weird. Like I'm getting all of these messages. Like how, how is that for you?
1: Um, it doesn't necessarily really affect me. I mean, honestly, sometimes I, at events, like, when I'm competing and stuff, if there's, like, a lot of people there, or if I know that someone who's been messaging me is there, I'll maybe just stick to the athlete zone. But, I don't know. I mean, it goes to my message requests. If things make me uncomfortable, I'll just, like, not answer, or I'll just leave it in there. Um... But it does happen. And like and not just like those types of messages, we also sometimes get people giving their advice on what we should and shouldn't have done on events, which is our coach's job. So that is always a little annoying. Like I I understand maybe that they think that they're helping, but it's like when you watch T V and you watch athletes on TV or like hockey, for example, and you hear peop- people being like, Shoot, shoot. It's oh, like he knows. He he knows, man. He knows what he's doing. Does he though? I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm I know.
0: <laughs> joking, I'm joking. Yes,
1: and it's like, I know what mistakes I've made. A hundred percent, I'm beating myself up way more than you ever could. So you sending me a message to tell me that is not necessary.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, you, you're always going to get that right. especially yeah, of if, course. Whether you call it a spotlight or the, in, in the public eye, like people look at it in a very critical way. Especially when they don't do it themselves, like mm-hmm. I, it's, it would be easy for me to say, "Oh, well, that was shit," but I've never done it. <laughs> well, nor, would, <laughs> nor, yeah, just like that. Nor would I ever do it. Yeah. Um. I wanted to also ask you. You mentioned there's a you know big fan base in Europe. What's kind of the fan base like? Is it younger? Is it older? Is it mainly male? Is it mainly female? In, in that? Or is it completely mixed?
1: Mm, that's a very good question. I don't think I've ever thought about that. I know uh, there's a lot of young girls that message me. And I always answer them. Like, I, I love getting those messages. And they'll send, like, fan mail sometimes. And, oh, my God, I totally forgot. I still haven't sent this one mail back. Because they'll send mail and they'll ask for, like, a bib or whatever. Maybe Sign- if
0: he dresses as a young girl, you'll message him back.
1: <laughs> Who, you?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe me, yeah. yeah Please don't
1: dress as a young girl. <laughs> um, no, they'll, like, I love I love that. And I love getting messages from them. And there's so many girls out there that like are super supportive and they I guess they they tell us that we're role models that's like really excuse my language but that's really fucking cool like to know that there's young girls out there that are looking at you and thinking I would like to be like her that's probably one of the biggest compliments that you can ever get you know and um, then
0: they realize who you really are. After oh, yeah. They hit, and they're after like, they I am this. out. <laughs> yeah, they go, oh, God. Um,
1: but back to your question, there is a variety. I know mostly of the young girls because those are the ones that I answer. But, like, at events, there is so many different, like, j- like young, old families. Like, people love ski jumping in Europe. They watch it on TV. They go to the events. Mostly they go to men's events, but the women's events are getting bigger now. So, Honestly, it's like a big, it's a big variety, I guess. It's a, it's just everybody.
0: Well, I think that's cool. That's cool. Like whichever way you look at it, whether you think you're big in the public, like you're obviously getting attention, which is positive. There's a large part of that. Like you said, young girls that are obviously inspired. They want to be like you, if you want to say it in that way. And maybe eventually they will. And and you were the one that kind of gave them the motivation to get into a sport like this that they may not have looked at originally. I also want to talk about, I kind of, I guess I'll link this to fame or whatever you want to call it, but identity and like how you separate it from sport. So what, well, not what, who is the person that's outside of sport? So if you could kind of explain in your whole words, obviously your sole identity is not a team Canada athlete. There's a lot more to you and your story. Do you want to just kind of explain who is Natalie (laughs) behind the scenes?
1: Yeah. um, I for as long as I can remember everyone always refers to me as the ski jumper um and like that's fine I obviously it's a huge part of my life but there is like a whole other side of me like as a person um I I don't know I'm like I'm a student I love being in school I I'm so excited to one day start working like I am also a person aside from sport you know what I mean I I don't I don't how else i can explain
0: it no i think i think it is difficult it's a difficult question for sure but i think it's important because again other athletes i've spoken to they all say the same thing you always get kind of a tag or a label of who you are because that's all they know you are and it's not just sport it's different professions too they go oh he's that lawyer or whatever (laughs) it may be and that can be finance difficult. Finance bro. There you go. With finance <laughs> bros. And you can get... That'll be me. <laughs> is that going to be you next? <laughs> yeah. So there you go. You'll have another title. No, there.
1: actually, no. I've been called finance babe at school.
0: <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. There you go. There you go. I'll take that one. There you go. But no, you, you've you obviously, you know, that's not your sole identity. There's definitely a person behind the scenes. And, and well, I've seen it. She's, she's a crazy one. Careful. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Tread I lightly. I know. I know. I will. Um. Let's talk about mental health. Uh, in sport, probably specifically, um, you were misdiagnosed with anxiety. Was that right? <laughs> <Which> <laughs> I was told you that in confidence. You did. Yeah. <laughs> Just kidding.
1: I'm actually super open about it. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I was misdiagnosed, but I was diagnosed with anxiety in high school because I had a panic attack at school. Um, and so I started taking medication for that and I had been taking medication for that for a very long time. Um, and then, this summer I started to realize that it wasn't working very well or it wasn't doing what it used to do. Um, or something else was happening. I don't know. Um, and I, I had a very, honestly, my last winter was really hard too because of the lows. Um, because I didn't end up going to the Olympics, my lifelong dream, you know? Um, but this summer in particular, I realized I started feeling like really down. And even, though I had a very good season. Like I said, I had my career best Grand Prix result. Um, I did pretty well in a fist cup at the end of the summer. I, you know, I set a couple of hill records in the fall or whatever. I didn't feel good. You know, like, obviously, I was happy about my results. But there was a lot more going on. And I was, I guess I was diagnosed with depression. And I don't want to say it's specifically from sport or from like, you know, whatever I've been doing for the last 10 years or living abroad or anything like that. But there are a lot of factors that play into it. And one of the things that is really, really hard for myself and I assume for any other athletes that have to move to do their sport is being super far away from all of the people you care about always is really hard and it like sounds super fun and it's it is obviously i'm very very lucky to get to travel all over the world and compete and i love my teammates they're like my best friends and i love my coaches but being eight thousand kilometers away from my family my siblings all of my friends it's really hard because you watch them all kind of move forward with their lives and you're not really a part of it so i don't know if that is that's a big I think of where my mental state took a turn <laughs> but yeah I mean it's definitely a big factor it, it, it's one that I wanted to talk about a little bit because I don't think that necessarily people would realize that because you you look at the life that we live and you're like that is so cool I would love to do that but you, what you don't realize is there is a lot of neg- not negative to it, but it's really hard. It's honestly really, really hard.
0: I guess for you, and I'll definitely talk about kind of relationships and the struggles that that brings. And I think for you, obviously, it's clearly a combination of, there's a lot of different things within that, like you listed. You know, it's relationship, being away from family, living abroad, coming back, not being able to jump when you're here. There's, there's lots of different things that definitely will combine into being struggle basically when do you think you first realized that you well realized or came to terms you're like okay something's not right here was there a trigger that made you feel that way
1: um well so like i said i i dealt with anxiety for a really long time and that i was used to that So I could manage that. And I was really bad at taking my medication. So I would forget. And then I'd be like, oh, shoot, I need to take my medication again. But when it's changed, I think it might have been the first. I think the first trigger would have been when things started going poorly in the Olympic season. Because I had such high hopes for the qualifying period. I was jumping really well, going into it, everything was going really, really good, and then all of a sudden, things just started going really bad, and probably because I put so much pressure on myself, because I was like, this is the be-all, end-all, I need to go to the Olympics, this has been my childhood dream, like, I will not be good enough if I don't do this, and obviously, (laughs) telling yourself that is not a good idea, so I think when things started to go poorly, because I was putting too much pressure on myself, I... Didn't know what to do. And I was like, why am I, you know, why am I here? I'm not even doing anything right. You know what I mean? Um, The interesting part is that as soon as the qualifying period was over, I started jumping better. Mm. And once the stress of that was gone, I felt better. I I don't, I wouldn't say that I was like 100% okay because I've been dealing with mental health issues for as long as I can remember. But I was definitely feeling better once the pressure was off.
0: So if you, if you just, I guess, over time developed how to manage it, obviously, like you mentioned, mental health is probably for a lot of people. It doesn't just disappear or go right. You, you always probably have it rooted within you, but how have you managed to cope with that over time? And again, you're still dealing with those stresses. You've got university, you're managing that you're going back a- a- away. And I probably want to focus this a little bit on actually living abroad because I know that's going to be a challenge. And I'm guessing that's probably one of your harder periods when you're living in, you know, a different country, you're away from everything that you know. And that's probably a time when depression or anxiety, whatever you want to say, it's probably at its peak naturally because you're, you know, you're in a different space, I guess.
1: Yeah. Well, and I also think that with like the huge buildup towards the Olympics and all of the expectations and like, even, even people that have gone to the Olympics, I've read that have felt this way or that have gotten medals, once it's done, like even if they're not done sport, there's a huge drop, right? Because everything has been leading up to this moment and it's over. And it's like, what do I do now? You know what I mean? Um, but at least in the winter, every weekend, more or less, we're competing. And competing is super fun. Love competing. So it's like you're busy you're doing things there's not a lot of time to think too much but in the summer so this summer in particular there's a lot less going on we didn't start competing until like quite later in the summer and we were just training and not having things I guess to look forward to could have played a factor in it too I had problems in my friendships. I had problems in my relationship at the time. There was like a lot of factors that went into it. But in general, it was just like n- nothing was happening. I was in the middle of a country that I'm not from and I don't know that many people there. And yeah, I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's hard. Like, how do you keep yourself motivated and, and you know, excited when you're base. You're just like sitting still. I guess is the way that I, I felt maybe.
0: Well, I, well, I guess how did you do that? Like, what, what do you do? <laughs> Not to, well, yeah, you're like. Oh, oh God, was I
1: was so sad, honestly.
0: But what you know, obviously, well, you got out of it. Did did you look for people to support? Are you did you keep everything to yourself and try and get through it on your own? Did you have a good support system? Did you living with the girls in the house help? Like how how did that look? for you when you're obviously going through it day to day, but there's probably mechanisms you, that you built to deal with that. What was kind of your go-to? Did you visit a I don't, I don't know.
1: Um, so we have a team sports psych. So I did talk to her. Um, I did lean on my teammates a lot and they've they've always been there for me and, and I'll always be there for them. So they were also big supports and <laughs> they can understand the same because we were all in the same boat. Um, I don't know necessarily like how they felt about it, but they obviously felt like we're not competing. You know, I want to, I want to do things. Um, but I also would, I guess, talk to my, my mom. I would call her, but I only called her when it got really bad. To be honest, I think that I took way too long trying not to talk about it, trying not to think about it, that it ended up way worse. Cause I think I was just avoiding it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And the situations back home weren't getting better and yeah, I, d- I didn't deal with it. Well, like I, I go to see a therapist now because I know that that's important and it's helping. Um, but at the time, no, like I was, I was abroad. I, d- I didn't have that access. You know, if you have one at home, they can't see you if you're out of Alberta, for example. So I, didn't do very well <laughs> dealing with that. I, th-
0: I think obviously it's you know I appreciate you sharing it, and I think for <laughs> a lot of people that are gonna listen to this, that's gonna be probably really valuable because again, they're seeing one side of the story, which is you know you being successful in sport or doing doing all the sport that you do, going to live abroad and again, on social media, it looks like this perfect, happy life. Everything's going swell, right? And behind the scenes, it's not always that. And you're going through your own challenges, which makes you the person you are and, and motivates human. you. Human. It makes you human. Yeah. Exactly. No, exactly. Another topic, I guess, within this, I want to talk about, obviously, you've had injuries. Uh, I, know, I know you had knee surgery, um, but let's talk a little bit about that. Maybe explain the injuries you've had. I know there's been many and, <laughs> and many different ones, but talk to me about that. And I guess you know, also the rehab side of it and and how emotional and physical pain that that can cause um, throughout obviously working in sport.
1: Yeah, um, I've had a lot of really silly injuries. Um, (laughs) I broke my arm, not jumping, but not like falling on the hill. After I had already skied out and skied up (laughs) on the other side, I fell backwards and I broke my arm. Um, that hill, I believe we've called it the Canadian killer because (laughs) it, it gets them. It's, it's a tricky one. Um, but I also, I've had like high ankle sprain where I was in a boot for two months. I had, like you said, I had knee surgery, but I tore my LCL twice. The first time I didn't get surgery. The first time I actually, um, was rollerblading and I hit a pole. That's how I tore the first time. The second time was ski jumping, so that's like a lot cooler. But yeah, there's like I've had concussions, like I've I've had a lot of injuries, and in general, I think the hardest one to deal with was when I had to get surgery, because all of the other ones it's like yeah I'm gonna boot or I'm gonna cast and you can still walk around, do things, whatever. Um, but when I had knee surgery, you can't, you just can't do that. Like it's it's really hard to get through. It hurts a lot and also it's you can't do anything like i i had a drill go all the way through my femur and i had a new ligament put in a, a drill go through my i think it's what is i don't even know what this bone is in my <laughs> leg <laughs> and they pulled tibia?
0: A tibia? maybe. yeah, that thing. <laughs> i'm not a doctor. there you go.
1: <laughs> um they like they pulled a ligament through there sewed it all up it's like an open knee surgery so they like cut my leg open like quite large um and then I couldn't not only could I not like walk or do things I was on pain medication that made me super super sick like I I think I threw up like at least once a day because of my pain medication so it was either I could sit there and feel the fact that I had my leg drilled through or I could take a a pill that basically knocks me out and also makes me vomit (laughs) It was really horrible. Um, and I also was, I didn't have like my family around me for that because I was living out of the house at the time. So I don't know. Like it's, it's, you hear a lot about athletes who end up getting surgery or have really, really serious injuries. And there is definitely a time period after that that's really hard. And it's not just when you can't walk like immediately after. It's not... Just the therapy, the the physiotherapy and going through actually being able to bend your knee again, which is all that's all hard on its own. But it's it's also when you first get back to sport and you can't do all of the things that you could before and you're scared. That is really hard. Like I remember my first jump back and I came back at six months. So that's actually really fast. But it's because of the the surgery that I had. I guess I was allowed to co- go back at six months. But I couldn't even bend my knee all the way. And I decided it was a good idea to jump. But guess what? After that jump, I could bend my knee all the way. So it worked out. But I still have pain, like, all the time. Like, all the time. And I don't know if that'll go away in another year or if that's just something I'll live with forever. But that's, it's really sad, actually, because I used to love hiking. And now when I go hiking, I end up in a lot of pain. Halfway up the hill. Or whatever. Or, you know, skiing. I went skiing today. And actually, it was not bad. <laughs> there you go. It was not bad. But at the end of it, it was definitely... Like, it hurts. Like, And it's like an ache. It's not like if you just, you know... got
0: what you p- said an egg. <laughs> an ache. It's an egg. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no, it's not like... It's like an ache. So it's... It it lingers. And it's like... It's horrible. Mm-hmm. Um. So there's... There's not just the rehab that you have to do physically for all of the injuries that you suffer throughout your, you know, career in sport, or, you know, even if you're not in sport, but there's also a huge mental aspect because you can't do things and you can't necessarily be the same person anymore.
0: Were you ever scared? Like, I guess mental, this is part of the mental part. When you go back and you return, do you have that fear of, you know, you're going up the hill and you're going to go up, but last time you did, you mash your knee in half or whatever right you've got that mental barrier that you might have in your mind (laughs) because you've just recovered over six months or however long that took how how is that for you well
1: um when i when i actually did tear my knee i tried to go up to take another jump because in general it's really good if you fall to take one more and then stop like not if not if you actually hurt yourself i didn't know i was actually <laughs> okay, hurt okay but like in general like we'll fall like well i've like fallen flat on my stomach because my skis have just separated and it sucks and it hurts so bad but if you can just do one more after that
0: but it's funny to watch though
1: <laughs> no it's horrible i have a really <laughs> stupid crash that i'll show you later where i literally landed on my chest on the top of the hill but that's the, besides the point um But this time I actually like seriously hurt myself. So I couldn't go up and like, quote, get back on the saddle. And I didn't really, I didn't actually think that anything was wrong. And it's because I had almost completely torn it. So there's not any feeling there anymore. Um, But going back, jumping, it's definitely nerve wracking. Like we all kind of go through that little learning curve because three of my, well, me, myself included, and two other teammates, we've all had knee surgery And so we've all experienced the nervousness of coming back because it is an extreme sport. You don't, (laughs) it's like, it's scary as it is, but to take six months off and then to be like, I don't know if my knee is necessarily a hundred percent. It's very scary, but we just, we get through it. I'm obviously fine now. Like I, it hurts, but I know it's structurally stable. It's better than it was before even I had the surgery because of the first time I tore it. So I, like, I would just remind myself of that all the time and just push through kind of thing. Like I knew I was going to be fine. Yeah, it's like kind of nerve wracking to go back and to jump the same hill again. But that's like one of my favorite hills. I wasn't going to let this stupid fall ruin that for me. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's good because some people do, right? They do let it get to them. And then it's like, okay, that's career over. I don't want to go back into that and, and, and risk that. Another topic I want to talk about is obviously I've heard that this sport promotes eating disorders Ooh. <laughs> so i want to learn from your perspective um what that looks like i don't know what that looks like but i've heard it i've kind of read things about it <laughs> but tell me what your thoughts is on that and is is that something that you see is that stressful is that is that a challenge within it
1: well so i i would not i wouldn't say that it promotes eating disorders i feel like that statement that blanket statement is not necessarily fair The facts are, if you're lighter, you fly farther, right? So we want to be lighter. Um, I am generally like a more like strong person. I've always kind of carried more weight in muscle. So I was never the lightest person. And so I I myself struggled a lot. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get to this point. Like, I don't know how I'm going to get to the weight that I feel like I'm going to be my best at and obviously there are good ways to do it and there are bad ways to do it and I don't know anything about other people like I don't know anything at all I assume honestly a lot of the women on the circuit are naturally just very thin and I'm very jealous of that but for me I definitely went through a phase where I was like over what is the word over obsessing over what I was eating counting every single calorie like and definitely not enough like way too little of an amount and just completely obsessing over it and the problem is is that you don't have any strength at that point so it's like why are you even doing that but my little pea brain was like this is how we're gonna do it this is how we're gonna get there um so yeah I mean obviously there there's a lot of problems with that in a lot of different sports like what bodybuilding i think i've talked to someone about how it's like really really bad in in that sport um but there are rules that they've put in place since i think that they saw people were getting a little bit too thin Mm -hmm. and it helps
0: I think. yeah i mean clearly you know in that sport weight's going to be a factor oh yeah of course it's a a
1: huge factor
0: but i I guess as as well like obviously being in an environment that's that's got those pressures i kind of look at it as like again spoke to models modeling is is like that that's a difference their way no i know (laughs) but that's horrible no and and i'm I'm not comparing that i'm just saying in the sense that they go through that right and it sometimes pushes you like you said at one point you were over obsessing it doesn't mean people will be pushing you that way but but you've got in the back of your mind I need to weigh a certain amount. How do I get there? So sometimes, and I'm not saying you did this, but people take shortcuts or they think, mm-hmm. "How can I do this?" You over obsess yep. because you want to get to that point of achievement. You're in a competitive yeah. Well, form. you
1: want to be the best, and if in your like head that this is how you're gonna get there, you know, you're gonna do what you can to get there. And yeah, I, I definitely I know what you mean. Like it happens in a lot of different settings, but I I also know that. No, i d I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't know anything. Let's
0: leave that one at that. Okay. We'll jump onto the most exciting topic, dating and relationships. Oh, good. Honestly. Right after the eating
1: I disorder know, conversation. I
0: know, I've worked this out well. But I want to talk about that uh, we kind of talked about relationship, friendships throughout kind of the whole journey of this conversation, which is natural. But again, everyone has so much interest in in this topic. It seems to be a theme that that's going throughout. But Fair enough.
1: I was very interested in this topic when I listened to the listened to the earlier episodes.
0: So. Yeah, exactly, and it's, it's it's good to talk about. Obviously, and again, I think for you being away a lot, I think that's going to come into a lot of this conversation. I guess we'll dive straight into it though. Your current situation right now is single. Sing, single is <laughs> a Pringle.
1: Very single.
0: There you go. So obviously, been in relationships previously, and and I guess I want to talk about living abroad. Obviously. I look at that as can be very difficult. So whether that's long distance relationships or maintaining relationships or finding relationships, all those combined, how has that been for you? Kind of, I guess, start me off with tell, tell me about any long-term relationships or, um, you know, long distance relationships that you've had throughout, throughout your period in sport.
1: Um, well, so I was in a very, very long relationship basically up until like this summer at the end of the summer or whatever. Um, and, throughout most of my career. So before I was even having to live abroad and into living abroad. So I, I had, you know, non-long distance and I also had long distance. And obviously a lot of people know this or even if they haven't experienced it, long distance is really, really hard, especially for like that long of time period. And it's not like you can just drive, you know, even five hours to go and see them. Um, that's an eight hour flight and like a few grand on those flights. So it's definitely really hard. I mean, I did it for a really long time. Um, to be honest, he was a very patient guy. (laughs) Like I, I'll give him props for that because I was gone a lot and I was busy all the time, but yeah, it's just, it's just, really hard and it's not like I'm actively looking for a relationship now I feel like that's not a good idea especially with what I'm doing in sport but yeah
0: obviously that is a long time and people try long distance relationships but how do you think I guess for for that or anyone that may be listening that's maybe in a long-term relationship now how did you even maintain that because what I hear from you you were obviously very busy so that probably helped it Equally, this other person was patient. How did you manage to divide your time? You've also got the time zone difference as well. So how did you manage that? The, the competitive, the, the sport you're doing, you're studying. How did that even work?
1: Um, well, so I, for a lot of it, I wasn't necessarily studying. That was just during COVID because I could do it um, while I was overseas. But I think that one of the things, like FaceTime is really great. I FaceTime everyone all the time. Now, even though I'm in Calgary and I can see all of these people, I still love FaceTime. So FaceTime was, I used it a lot because you can see the person that you're talking to and you can actually like have a little bit more of connection. Um, We would play games sometimes on FaceTime or like watch movies at the same time, also on FaceTime. Like there there are things that you can do at in a long distance relationship that would be like almost normal in if you weren't long distance, but obviously it's still not the same. It's still really hard, but yeah. What else, what else would I say that made it work? Um, I mean, communication is very, very important, very important. And because I was busy a lot, I feel like I was not necessarily the best at that. Um, so if anyone's listening and in a long-term relationship, please make an effort, <laughs> Um, yeah, it's, it's hard, but communication, obviously, especially because you can't see them every day, you need to talk, you need to text, call, FaceTime, whatever, like, and I mean, it depends obviously on the type of relationship, but I, I would say that that's like one of the most important things.
0: Yeah. I think communication obviously is going to be key in that and obviously loyalty, you know, for that, that, long period of time, there's a lot of loyalty within that, so That's obviously good. I want to kind of talk about where your mindset is now. I know you've mentioned, you know, you're not looking for anything (laughs) like that. I mean it more in the sense of, with you being in a long distance relationship, would you say you're put off from doing another one because of the challenges and struggles that come with that? What's what's your thoughts on that now?
1: Oh my goodness. I don't know. The thing is, is that... Like if it's if it's right, then you'll make it work in any setting. Like that's kind of the way I see it, even if it's long distance or not. Like if if it's important and if it's what you want, then you'll make it work. So I'm not going to say I'm necessarily fully opposed to doing that again. But I I don't think I want (laughs) to. Yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, if I met someone and they were like the perfect person for me, then I would make it work but I, I'm, I'm just trying to like figure myself out now after like a six year relationship. You
0: know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So future looking, what qualities do you look for? What, what <laughs> even, I, I, I guess I'll ask this from, I think I ask this quite a lot to sports people. Like, do you Need someone that's got discipline, works out, like someone that's similar to you. Do you look for someone that's that's opposite? Take it away.
1: Um. Well, so I'm gonna say it's not like an exhaustive list, and it's also not a strict list. Like there are, thi- I would say that the things that I quote look for would be a bonus. I'm not like, it's not like I have to have someone that goes to the gym all the time, but I would like it if someone had a similar style to me, like did go to the gym, did work out, likes to do things that I like to do. You know what I mean? Um, You're asking about my type. (laughs) (laughs) Now I have to think about this. Um, Well, I, I, I really like tattoos. I have a few and again, it's not necessary, but it's a bonus i really like them and i feel like it would be weird if i had a lot and my it, partner didn't have any if that's what
0: i was gonna <laughs> would you date someone that doesn't have any yeah i mean yeah. I, like
1: i said if it like if it works it works but i like that <laughs> <laughs> there you go
0: so you, basically you're gonna get one with with tattoos
1: well I, no i'm not gonna say anything of the sort because i don't I'm want any it, of them <laughs> i'm saying it
0: on your behalf
1: okay thanks
0: dan there you go um I guess as an athlete as well, you know, we we did touch on the attention side of it. And I'm talking from probably a dating side. I know you obviously get DMs and people reaching out to you. But is that difficult to navigate sometimes? (laughs) You mean like, well, you you can get a lot of attention. Put it that way. Yeah. Okay. Is that difficult to navigate? Mm.
1: Do you mean like just by like people DMing me that don't know me? Or do you mean like in general life?
0: Well, DMing mainly, but you know, just having that, when I see people online, especially sports people, and I had a conversation, um, a couple of episodes ago, another pro athlete, he got a lot of attention, a lot of attention from girls. And he found it hard to navigate I see. through messages he was getting. He was with a girl at the time and he actually cheated. He's very open about it on the episode and, and talks about it. And he obviously learned a lot from that, but he found it very difficult to navigate the attention he was getting. And I'm wondering for you, is that ever a difficulty? Not necessarily the being with someone, and but or, or it could have been, you know, through your relationship, you're getting attention that I know there can be jealousy and things like that. I'm just trying to get a perspective of, of what that might have looked like for, for you.
1: Yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised to know that when I was like in, in my relationship and it was very public that I was in a relationship, people I didn't get that many messages like obviously there were the odd few and like the weird ones or whatever but it wasn't like it wasn't like it is now I guess like I get more now I guess because he's he's not like on any of my social media anymore mm-hmm. so it's like it's obvious that I'm single but I don't know that I have a hard time navigating it I think that if I'm not interested I just don't answer i just ghost there
0: you go i guess guess that's not even ghosting that's just
1: yeah you're right we never even spoke exactly you just i think i've made you feel better now you're
0: like i don't feel as bad now i don't No, i and i I, you know i think i just believe or know you'll get some form of attention Mm -hmm. that's just natural like it doesn't mean it's a bad thing you probably get some amazing messages too right yeah and Mm. sometimes well there you go (laughs) about your foot fetishes but um, (laughs) careful it can be it can be difficult to navigate that wherever even even just the volume you may get that can be more difficult than the average quote person
1: i suppose but the thing is is what instagram does is they put them into your requests true and then if i feel like accepting any of the requests if they're not someone i know they go into the general folder (laughs) (laughs)
0: but that that's still it's still something you navigate you've got it you've got this folder for (laughs) a start of people everyone
1: has that folder it's not just me
0: mine's empty (laughs) mine's empty
1: you don't have anyone in your
0: general filter folder i just get like requests for like free memberships the things and like oh
1: yeah they're like hey would you like to join this mlm yeah i don't want
0: (laughs) to i don't want to name drop the types of things but like they'll say it and i'm like no, like I say that in my mind, I don't open it and it's another non-ghosting ghosting thing, but non-ghosting. But ghosting. anyway, what's your thoughts on um the current dating scene? So again, this can be in general. I know you said you're not looking for a relationship etc, but what's your thoughts on it? I think pretty much every episode we we talk about this and it's so interesting the perception or how people perceive what it's yeah. like. And obviously it's very different from for each person yeah for each person male and female as well the perception there but what's your thoughts on it
1: well so obviously i was in a super long term relationship Um, terrified well no i'm not even necessarily terrified i just have no idea what's going on (laughs) (laughs) you don't
0: know what to do do no i
1: was literally 17 when i started dating my ex and so this is the first time i've been an adult and single so I like at first it was very overwhelming, I think, Um, because obviously I don't I didn't get asked on dates when I was in a relationship. And now that I'm an adult, I don't know how to answer necessarily anymore. Like for a while, I think that I just said yes, (laughs) which um,
0: what you just said yes to people and you went on dates because you feel awkward.
1: Well, not because I feel awkward, but just because. I don't know. I, I, I'm like, this is what we do.
0: <laughs> Did you want to go on dates though?
1: Well, yeah. I, I, okay. Like I wouldn't go on one that I didn't want to go to, but, yeah. um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, that's kind of why I decided I wanted to like cool it because I started getting really overwhelmed. Um, like knowing someone really well for a very long time and then being in a position where you have to get to know people now. Like, anyone that's been in a long-term relationship and then when they were recently out of it can probably sympathize with me. It's weird, and it's tiring, and, you know, I got other things that I'm dealing with, like my school, my sport, everything, and just I just don't have enough energy necessarily for that. Not that they're not, like, fantastic people. Like, there's tons of really great people. I've met a lot of very nice guys, so I would say the dating scene is fine, but (laughs) I am not... (laughs) I am not fine,
0: (laughs) so. Well, obviously, six years and transitioning out of that, that's very difficult for anyone. It's weird. Uh, What do you think about the difference between like a guy and a girl? Like what's the difference between those transitioning out of relationships? So for example, do you think it's harder for a girl to go into the dating world after a long relationship or do you think it's harder for a guy?
1: Well, I think you'd have to define what you mean by harder. Because I think well okay so in general in our culture guys ask girls on dates. Girls say yes or no. Mostly. Obviously that's not always but for me becoming single and getting asked on dates. I just I can then say yes or no. Right?
0: That's exactly what I was getting
1: (laughs) Yeah but I feel like for guys getting out of relationships because this is like the mentality that we have in general for most people um they have to be the ones to go and ask or like to meet people like <laughs> not meet people but you know what i mean mm-hmm. like like it's not like you just wait <laughs> but so i guess i would think it's probably harder for guys after after a breakup not in an emotional sense, mm-hmm. strictly in a dating sense, because I don't know about their
0: situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I can't speak that's to that. D- I don't know if we should go down that route. No. But no, no, I think it, it's, and I'm not saying it's easier for guys, that's that's uh, easier for guys or easier for girls. It's definitely difficult for anyone coming out of a relationship. Yeah, it is different, and, and going into the dating world, and it's a very, very different time, again, from when you first got into one, what, six years ago, and what it's like now, how people meet each other, um, what you do on dates, etc. And it, it's 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 an interesting world out there, but. Yeah, it's, it's scary. It's a fun topic <laughs> to talk about. It's scary. It is. Um, got a couple of g- general questions. These again have come through. Save them till the last, so do a bit of a quick fire, but Ooh, you don't have okay. to rush through them. Um, Someone asked what your worst day ever was. and <laughs> Now, again, I don't I know. I know. Oh People love to, love to know the details, but oh I don't God. know. Obviously, we don't get contacts a lot of the time, and I don't know if this is based on your sport or your whole life. I'm going to say based on your whole life. I would say whole life. Yeah.
1: Worst day ever. Oh, my God.
0: Someone wants to know a trauma, clearly.
1: Oh my gosh, how do I even pick? You know, there's like <laughs> so many bad days. Hey,
0: we've got an extra 10 minutes left here. So oh no, God, I'm I, don't, I
1: don't know. Um, I feel like uh, <laughs> probably after May, I, I'm just going to say, cause this is, was on topic, like after my knee surgery, like not right after, but mm, when I was like completely alone after my knee surgery and I was in so much pain and then I took pills that made me very sick to not feel pain and then I had to take my crutches and crutch to get water or food or anything and just like juggle these things. And I'm pretty sure I just broke down in like full tears because I, it's like really humbling not being able to fucking walk. (laughs) <laughs> it's horrible. Oh God! It's just bringing back the horrible feelings that I had.
0: You're gonna need a therapy session after this. Well, I
1: have one, so it's okay. <laughs> That's what I'm here for.
0: <laughs> um Another question: Someone asked, "How big of a nerd are you?" One out of ten. I feel like someone <laughs> feels like you're a nerd based on seeing your probably social media, or maybe they know you. But
1: no, I, this is funny because a friend from work actually was calling me a nerd the other day. So maybe it's him. I don't. I don't even think he follows me on Instagram though um i would say i am like an eight out of ten nerd would you (laughs) yeah why um well i'm like like school wise i'm like obsessed with school and like studying i um put a lot of time into that also i feel like just like the little quirky things about me are just nerdy like i've Maybe quirky is a better term.
0: Like your Yoda face mask thing that you got? Oh, that's
1: incredibly (laughs) rude. (laughs) Nice. Yeah, I'll yeah share maybe. This. I'm going to
0: share the picture online. After. Maybe yeah. I'll make that as your episode. Art. I sent you photos <laughs> that you're allowed
1: to use and it's not that one.
0: <laughs> I, I'm sure the listeners would enjoy some of we'll the photos. We'll post
1: it on your personal account, <laughs> not on the podcast account.
0: Okay, maybe I will. You'll have to follow my personal account. <laughs> um, another person Shout asked, out at Dan Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Another person asked, um, tell me a random fact about you. So try and think of outside the box of what we're not. We've not talked about random fact. Go.
1: Oh my gosh. Random fact. I'm drawing a blank right now. It's
0: hard. It's hard to think Well, about. it's hard.
1: I mean, there's a lot of things about me, but like, which is the most random, you know? And
0: you're also like, what do I want to share? <laughs>
1: no, I just completely am drawing a blank.
0: Okay. Well, I, I could say something. But I yeah, <laughs> No, want. go ahead. Probably, uh, we d- might have to cut this. <laughs> <laughs> no editing allowed. Um, you, you obviously you're born on halloween yeah. so you're into like your spooky scary oh, stuff yeah. so I, that's what i would talk about
1: i love spooky things yeah i was born on halloween um i have a bat tattooed on my sternum because i love bats and all things spooky and like skeletons and stuff i literally I showed dan <laughs> yesterday i have a sign that just says spooky it's
0: actually <laughs> pretty cool as yeah, far as it the- is,
1: and it's lit up with purple lights and it's very cool, but um, yeah, like my desk chair has a bat and a bat blanket and pillow on it.
0: Basically, her fact is she lives in a basement lair full of cobwebs and spooky things.
1: I loved vampires as a child, so that's there you fair I mean,
0: it makes sense being born on Halloween. That celebration must have been Spookish. just yes <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly um another question has come in uh, referring back to your team canada days i guess what is the best location in the ski jumping world cup
1: my favorite place is japan i've heard this a lot but absolutely my favorite place i think it's sapporo i absolutely love sapporo and i'm actually going back i have my flights already i'm going back in january to compete they call it japanuary on the on the circuit are you going back this january yeah
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: I love I absolutely love the food. I love everything. What do you think of the people
0: there in I'll Japan?
1: L- they're so polite.
0: Could you speak Japanese? Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <Arigato gozaimasu. laughs> oh, wow. okay that's impressive <laughs> no it's not i hope that no one who speaks japanese can you that. imagine
0: it's not japanese
1: no, no it is i know it is it just i said it really horribly <laughs>
0: <laughs> there you go there you go um so those are all the questions that have come in but i do have two questions just to finish us off here um mm. first one if you had the opportunity to give your life currently a title Oh, I thought you (laughs) meant give it up. (laughs) I was like done. Sold. (laughs) What would the chapter of your life currently be called? Right now. Correct.
1: Oh, that's a great question. Um, uh, I don't know. Like evolving, I guess. I'm like there's a a lot of things are changing in my life, and like in particular, I'm like learning a lot about myself. So I feel like. This is where I evolve.
0: No, it's, that's a good one. I think I love that question because it, it makes you think. Obviously, your chapter's con- continuing and you go on your <laughs> next one. Like it's, it's, she's pulling she's funny things. This is definitely going to be edited out, I think. Or maybe it's not. Um, no,
1: leave qu- it. I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> then they can all hear how funny I am.
0: Maybe I'll show you the snap of this as well, what I was doing with my face there. Um, Final question. If you could nominate someone to go on the show, who would you nominate and why?
1: shane sotsky
0: (laughs) that's a good one shane would be a really good one
1: yeah because i don't think she wants to do it so i'm gonna force her but she's one of my best friends love her to death she's a fantastic person um she's got a very interesting life and she's funny and beautiful and who knows maybe i'm in love with her it sounds like i might be
0: you are a little bit maybe you're seeking a relationship shane would be good i think unfortunately
1: i'm very straight (laughs) i wish i wasn't that'd be so much easier
0: i think shane would be good i think she'd be even better drunk (laughs) i think that's where she would succeed
1: i yeah her i absolutely should not be for this good thing i'm not no
0: i know it is yeah (laughs) because you probably would have slipped off a few times but anyway thanks so much for coming on i hope you enjoyed it and i hope people that have listened have also enjoyed it
1: thanks guys
0: bye (laughs) Thank you to my guests for joining me and to you guys for listening. Next week, we'll meet a new guest to learn about their persona behind their social media account. If you want to ask a question on a future episode, go to our Instagram, at Pod, where you can suggest topics and even nominate a guest you want to see on the show. If you enjoyed the show, please review us on Spotify and Apple and share with your friends to help build the society. Catch you next time.